Obama have such like, you know, because he's the president who created DACA and he was also the deporter in chief, you know? And so yeah. it's like such like a, I have such a complicated feelings towards him because um, he did change my life, you know, but he was also the person in charge of, of, you know, when my community was being terrorized and deported in group, big, 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 big amounts. So it's, it's, it's such, I, I, I know that um, it's complicated feelings towards him. <laughs> Hi, um, welcome to Baker Rings Guide to Surviving. I'm Anne Montfon. And Mariel Martinez. This is our very special guest. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you actually chose this uh, book. And uh, do you want, do you, do you actually want to give us a little bit like of an intro about who you are? Well, I am uh, an actress uh, here in LA. Um, I'm a former undocumented youth. Um, and I have a very uh, deep passion for mental health. Um, currently working on um, whichever way I can to sort of expand on this, um, to bring awareness to mental health, specifically in the undocumented community um, through my own journey of uh, what my mental health and how my mental health has been and my experiences as an undocumented youth um, and sort of wanting to bring awareness to these issues as well as um, sort of destigmatizing um, within my community because I realized that's been part of the issue with why it sort of got to where I got. <laughs> so that's and what drew you to the book, The Undocumented Americans? Well, I had um, heard about it, I think through, you know, Instagram or, you know, uh, just from different accounts I follow, uh, different uh, immigrant advocacy groups that I follow. And I've, I've heard about the book and um, specifically because uh, uh, I mentioned uh, she, I had heard that she talks about mental health within the undocumented community. Um, and that's currently something that I'm, I'm figuring out how, how I can help, you know, how I can either, you know, um, be a voice to it, um, talk to my own community about it. Um, and so I wanted to read about it, read about it from someone who is very educated and who has um, already published something on it and what she has to say about it and how she either talks about her own experience. I wasn't sure if it was gonna be sort of autobiographical or she was gonna you know, be talking about other people as well. And it was really interesting to see that it was a mixture of both. Um, so yeah, it basically just, with specifically what I, I am currently spending my time figuring out how I can help. So I wanted to, to see how someone who's already delved into this topic was dealing with it. So what were your first thoughts about the book, like having just finished it? Um, I enjoyed it. I really felt uh, seen and heard personally. And I know she said uh, she wasn't, her focus was not to talk about dreamers, right? Um, dreamers being uh, the kids like myself who were brought to this country um, as kids. And, uh, you know, we, we sort of fit the sort of the, the wanting to become part of this nation through um, our schooling, through whether joining the military or school. Um, and so she didn't, because those are the, the, the kids who usually have the spotlight, um, within the narrative and within media and who are seen as like, well, they're the good guys and the parents are the ones who are the villains in the story who brought these kids unknowingly and now they have. So she's like, I, I don't wanna focus on that. I wanna focus on, on, on the people who, who are usually overlooked, you know, who are the day laborers, who are the, um, you know, the cleaner people who work at restaurants. And um, so I really personally, um, connected to that and I'm glad that she did that and I saw in, in reading about that I saw a lot of what I grew up with you know which is my parents struggles that are not talked about you know that are not that are demonized by the media um or can be and um and seeing how I I just really enjoyed 
that, that she focused on that. Um, and it was very, there was parts where I had to kind of step away a little bit because it definitely brought back memories, brought back things that like, you know, are very, you know, sometimes you tuck away <laughs> for, I guess, again, for survival purposes, um, you tuck away, you put it away. And so it definitely brought up some, some stuff and some stuff that was very beautiful and very touching. And, and um, I, I think it's, it's just very honest. I can say coming from this experience, having been my experience, I can, I can, and that she's an amazing writer, so poetic in her writing, which I really, really personally appreciated. There's sort of like, uh, it, it read like a novel because of how she wrote it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I wish I had better, I wish I was as, as verbose as her <laughs> to really explain how much I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed it and I really identified with it in many ways. Yeah, I did feel um, what was interesting about it was I definitely read it and was like, oh, I want, I want films about this, you know, about these characters, mm -hmm. like where we could really delve into these stories. And it did strike me that, you know, this is why representation is so important, like genuine representation versus um, the sort of like identity politics that is only for show but like mm -hmm. actually showing the, the real lives of these people are so, you know, mm -hmm. it's such an important thing and like such a political statement because right. at first when I was read when I finished reading it or, or as I was reading it, I was a bit like thinking to myself, why is this such a big deal? Like, why is this book lauded the way it's lauded? Because it's just mm -hmm. talking about you know, people, it's just talking about these people. And then when I took a step back and I thought about it, it was like, first of all, it's been touted as Obama's favorite book of something. And I thought that was kind of deeply ironic because he's also known as like the deporter in chief, you know? So that was like, and then I also know that he um, excluded DACA recipients from healthcare um, in his bill as well. So. I thought that was like a deeply weird or maybe not weird, like maybe a cover-up almost um, mm. in a way. But, but to get back to what I was thinking about this, I was just like, I was just like, what is remarkable about this book? You know, what mm. is remarkable about just telling stories about human beings? And then it just sort of struck me eventually that I guess what's remarkable is that it is remarkable. It's remarkable mm. to talk about people like we know that they're people and yet they've been demonized to such an extent that this book just about people who have like that are mediocre or have addiction issues or you know have dreams or have like just like normal people are it's mm -hmm. somehow like a deeply political statement to have a book about them you know because right. they're undocumented and and just the idea of someone undocumented in America is just they're always, there's always a set of stereotypes that we have or that we're given by the media about them, you know, that they have to be deserving, especially deserving. And so therefore perfect, you know? So I thought that was really, and a really interesting frame, like really interesting point of view that she did. Like she completely sidestepped all of those things, you know, by just focusing on that. So you're right. I, I thought it was like, really interestingly written. What, mm -hmm. what were you thinking, Anne? Uh, well, no, I was thinking similarly where it's, I, I will talk for white people. Um, <laughs> no, you, you, you can't. You can only I can't. talk for yourself. I can't. I can't. <laughs> um, but like oh, growing up and just, um, and watching everything on TV and just kind of like trying with all of the Trump supporters and different conservative, let's, let's say conservative people. Um, I feel like there's not a lot of empathy for undocumented. It's like what it, I, I feel like it's more of what are they taking away from me versus like, what are they doing for themselves? And I feel like this book 
forces you to empathize and see the people as people mm-hmm. versus like this idea of like, no, these people are coming to take away my jobs. And it's like, really, really? Like they're, they're, they're not. What are the jobs that they're eligible for? You know, and it's like, well, I don't, you know, I, I don't mind if they come into the country, but they need to do it the right way. And it's like, but it's made so hard and it's, it's near impossible to get out of their situation. So it's, it's like, what are you, what are you supposed to do? Um, And I think it was, it's wonderful accounts of what people are risking and everything that they're having to go through to have a better life for them and for their family. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, that's what I, I have to say. Find I it also r- do like that, that she way. doesn't emphasize that part too. You know, like she doesn't try to, she doesn't at all have a context for where, where these people that she's talking about comes from. Like she doesn't talk about their political unrest or how America may be part of dismantling their specific countries. She doesn't talk about yeah. that at all. She doesn't talk about, it's like some people- I think she had like like one sentence about it. One sentence. Cause I specifically remember her saying like, like, isn't that a hoot? Something in, she didn't say, isn't that a hoot? But in in reference to like, (laughs) you're, you're, that's my own interpretation of how I read that sentence. Um, You know, that you escape, you know, a lot of these people are escaping um, sort of what the US has done to their country. So they're just escaping the influence from that. And it was just like a one sentence, very clean, very cut. And she kept going. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that you pointed that, that out. So she is like aware of that context, but she specifically mm-hmm. decided, you know, she's not going to discuss that. And some of the mm-hmm. reasons like for, there was that one woman in, in this book where she wanted to escape motherhood, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I thought was like, you know, it's interesting. Cause like, again, it's like, that's so, sort of frowned upon. Like yeah. motherhood, you know, is such a saintly thing, apparently. So it's just like mm-hmm. this idea where you can have whatever reason. And I think this is a really important point that she makes actually is like, you can have the best reason or the worst reason or whatever. But like, I think mm-hmm. the case that she's really making is that you're a human being. And so yeah. like the effects of the trauma that you sort of like have to experience by being undocumented, it's going to affect mm-hmm. you. And also you don't mm-hmm. deserve, like nobody deserves that sort of like inhumane treatments that right. sort of happen. So I think that's like, right. that's, it, that's, she makes such a strong case for that just by, and not, not in a um, pedantic way, but just by like explaining and not explaining, but describing really intricate details about people's lives that I mm-hmm. thought was, I thought it was really cool. Well, I just love the way she described people because it was very, you saw such a clear picture of who that exactly. person was, not just how they, they how they moved. Um, her descriptions were in the way that you felt like you knew, you know, the way when you really know someone, you, you have like, you, you identified those nuances very quickly. And again, she's so gifted in her, in the way she, she writes and speaks and expresses herself that she, she, the way she described everyone, she's like, it was just so beautiful that I was like, oh yeah, I know what she means by that. And right away, I, I was within a couple sentences, I was like, I already either feel like I know this person and it's not describing them in a way where right away you're delving into their trauma, right? It's like, right. you're going into who they are as a person because that's what we are. That's what we come with, right? Yes, like obviously we all come with baggage and trauma and everything, but there's something, there's really uh, beautiful and interesting characteristics about all of us. And I think kind of leading with that and then and then getting to know someone's story. I love the way she did that with each person. Um, and she she touched upon many people from different backgrounds right not not just day labor I love that too that she didn't just focus on like one section of the undocumented community that she was like just the farm workers or just the you know like I said the day laborers or just the you know it's like everyone from different um backgrounds and uh different sort of you know that that I had that that have had a different experience in this country you know like how how you are treated when you work in a factory 
uh, there's going to be some differences and similarities than how you are treated when you work in a restaurant or how you are treated when you have to stand in front of a Home Depot all day. And that's how you get your job. You know, how, that's how you survive this country too. That's like another thing. It's like how you survive this country, you know, the different jobs that you have to do to survive in this country. It's, it's, there's, there's different sets of problems with that. And so I like that she talked about the different people because it's true. I, I just, in my experience from seeing my parents, the different survival jobs they had to do to survive in this country, to put foot, food on the table. There was a difference. I remember when my dad was a waiter for, she talks about her dad being a waiter. And I just remember when I thought like my dad was a waiter for a few months. And I just remember that was, that was, um, a better job so to speak like less physically taxing and he would get tips right and so the sometimes like when she says about the Puerto Rican uh, executives bringing giving her, her dad a big tip and how like to this day she still talks about it and writes about it because it was such a big deal and and that just brought me back to I was like oh yeah my dad did work that and I remember the joy you get from that you know and and as opposed to working in a factory for 12 hours in one day and you're back, everything, you know, so anyway, it just, it was, I, I appreciated that she, she did that, so. That's so great. Um, do you feel the same kind of ambivalence that she has around the words dreamer, you know, because she sort of yeah. doesn't like that, yeah. Right, um, you know, I don't think I, I have such, uh, and I actually, heard her in an interview or a podcast I, I kind of looked her up and stuff because I was like oh, she's great I want to be her friend <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh yes I love I do I you know she, she talked about specifically and I don't know if she said it in this book how the dreamer in sort of uh literature is always sort of the 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 character that never, like who never gets to really live out what they dream, right? So they're always stuck in sort of like, that's, they always dream about it, but they never achieve it, you know? And so that's one of the reasons why she is so staunchly against that term, which I, I thought was really interesting. I've, I've never, I don't think I ever put that much thought to it, to be honest, and into the word dreamer. Um, but it has uh, being a dreamer for many years and seeing, you know, um, the ups and downs of how our emotions so it felt like uh congress and the government was playing with our emotions were like the dream act and that's another reason why we're called dreamers because of the dream act um the dream act which uh would and again i'm not a i'm think i'm thankfully not a, a dreamer anymore i i was able to you know gain residency and all of that but um when i was a dreamer just seeing like the the politics that came in and 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 into um, the dream act getting so close to being passed more than once, and I just remember the the distress and 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 the getting our hopes up. And so I I do get that now, where it's like you feel like you're so close, and then it was like <laughs> snatched it from you. And so so I I I never put thought into it the way she did, to be honest. Um, but I, I agree, and and and, and hearing about it, I was like, yeah. No, you're right. It always felt like we were so, did I dream that? We're really that close to finally being able to achieve this? And it's like, uh, yeah, no, yeah, you were because the reality is we don't care enough about your struggles. And there's like two people have, I think in one, one year it came so close. It was so close. It was like under five, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but I just remember it was so close. And just remember that whole day just being like, I'm done. Okay. I'm tapping out for the day, just emotionally, just, you know, because it's a roller coaster of emotions dealing with Because there's no posture citizenship from like being a DACA Correct. recipient, right? Correct. And here's the thing, this was before DACA. So this was the DREAM Act has been in, in, uh, had been in contention and, and, and as used as a, and that's the other thing, a lot of like politicians, you know, even like Joe Biden included, you know, it feels, we don't believe it anymore, so to speak, where they're like within the first hundred days, I'm going to have, and it's always, you know, Democrat presidents. I, I, I don't, I, don't quote me on that, but just to, from my experience, hearing Democrat presidents say within the first hundred days, I will have, uh, you know, immigration reform that will blah, 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 blah. And that's how a lot of the times they get the Latino vote because, or the Latinx vote, because they, they are able to get you know, a lot of, of people who have, you know, friends, family members 
who are undocumented. And so they, I feel like they pull us into that direction with those promises. And then at this point, I mean, I know I'm very jaded about it that I just don't really believe any Paul, you know, I just, it's really, it's really hard for me to believe it. Um, and this was, like I said, before talking, you were talking about Obama and Obama have such like, you know, cause he's the president who created DACA and he was also the deporter in chief, you know? And so yeah. it's like such like a, I have such a complicated feelings towards him because um, he did change my life, you know, but he was also the person in charge of, of, you know, when my community was being terrorized and deported in group, big, 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 big amounts. So it's, it's, it's such, I, I, I know that, um, it's complicated feelings towards him. <laughs> well, so. I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting too, because it's just, he is like that almost on every level. He has mm -hmm. like, he says something or like, for example, choosing this book is one of his favorite books. And then what he does, is, it's just, this, there's a conflict between the two often, almost in every area of his presidency. So I think right. that- And I mean, to an extent, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. No, I was gonna say to an extent, I know that it's, 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 you know, and I, I, I need to read up more on it or understand it better. Um, you know, to what extent is, is a Congress like pushing on him for things? And I, you know, I read Michelle Obama's book and I just remember her specifically saying, you know, like a lot of the times it was a lot, a lot like the, at the time when he, when he started, it was just like the Republicans were so set on going against everything he was doing that a lot of the fight was just trying to to just like, it was so hard to get anything done. So it was like, well, to what extent is that a reason? But at the same time, I'm like, you are the president. Like, can't, like how, I, it's hard. It's really hard because it's like, obviously I'm very grateful to him. I, I was, I myself was just in a very, like I had graduated college. I was, you know, a, a dreamer. I didn't know, I'd had no prospects of becoming, um, a resident or anything in this country because there was no pathway. I had just graduated from college. I had my degree, but I couldn't use it really anywhere because I didn't have the papers. And so it was just like, to me, I was like, should I just leave this country? I was very, I was, I was contemplating that idea of like, should I go back to Mexico? Should I figure out what to do there? Because this is, it's stifling to be young and, and everyone's telling you, you're so full of opportunities. You just graduated from college and blah, blah, blah. And then the reality was like, but I'm not, and I, I was very secretive about my um, status at the time. And so I, it was very hard to, to, to put on that smile of like, yeah, yeah, I'm done with college. Oh, everything's great. And inside I was like, no, I don't know what. So when, when he, and then DACA basically came in like within a year and a half or two of me having graduated from college. And so that's, it changed my life. So I can't deny that, but it's, 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 yeah, it's complicated. It's not easy, right? It's like, this is, it's it's like anything in life it's there's so many nuances and there's so much to it so what did DACA actually specifically do for you because like we're saying um I guess this is where my ignorance is about this like since mm -hmm. this podcast is called ignorant <laughs> 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 yeah so it's like because I know certain things that like DACA is not a path to citizenship DACA mm -hmm. was excluded from healthcare in terms of like you can't on DACA it was excluded from like having the ACA um, benefits as well as like Medicare or Medi-Cal, all, all those types of healthcare. So what what actually did you get from DACA? Um, I got a work permit. Okay. Meant I got a social security number, um, which was, that meant I could work legally in this country. Um, and it, I wasn't, um, able to travel, which was uh, still a little bit of a hard hit, meaning like I had left my family, I, I, I wasn't able to see them, blah, 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 like that's still, so you couldn't, uh, the only way you could travel is if it was like a work reason, so, but you have to prove extensive, you had extensive paperwork to prove that it was for work purposes, because again, it's a work permit, um, but to me, it just, it just, it was, um, I gotta remember when I, I, I still remember the way you remember, like, you know, you remember really great things about your life and you really, really scared. So like I, the way I still remember what I was doing when 9-11 happened, <laughs> um, I remember what I was doing when um, I read, like the notification came in or someone texted me or something and I read what it meant. 
and what it was going to and and just I just remember I was getting ready and then just like dropped what I was doing and I just started crying you know because I, I it was it was um it was basically part of what the dream act had promised obviously the dream act was going to put us on a path to citizenship um and residency but it felt like and it was so immediate it was like starting this year you know in a few months it was like I think it came out in like the spring and then by summer we could apply for it that was the other thing you know we had been told just keep waiting keep rallying keep fighting for this keep doing something will come of it something will come of it something will come of it and it was just like the dream act kept getting stalled and kept getting stalled and kept getting stopped and kept close and then pulled back and that was I think the year that had just gotten the closest to passing and so, so anyway, so just the emotions were very, very high uh, for us dreamers at the time. And uh, so again, it, it might not seem like a lot to people, but to have a work permit, to be able to work legally, um, especially as a recent college graduate, to be like, oh yeah, you can now use your degree. You don't have to be in the shadows. You don't have to do that anymore. Um, was huge. And again, she talks about how as as kids of immigrants, like are at the forefront of my mind, always, always, it's how can I help my parents because they do jobs that are very physically demanding. And I, you're always thinking about how can I take care of my parents? Cause they're gonna age out of these jobs. They're gonna age out. So to feel like my parents just sacrificed like a lot of their physical and mental and everything to get me through college. Because again, as a college student at the time, this was before DACA, so I had no, um, um, what is that called, FAFSA? It's, it's so like the, the uh, financial uh, help from the government, basically. I had none of that. We had none of that. It was, a, it was a very small group of us that were able to even get into college and an even smaller group that was able to finish college because we had no financial help whatsoever from anyone. And we couldn't get loans. Uh, you couldn't get because you needed a social security number. So again, getting a social security number was getting a golden ticket. It's what it felt like. I finally have, now I can apply for a loan or I can apply, I can get a car, I can get, you know, it's just the possibilities are endless. And I know it was very limiting in that it was only a two year, you had to renew every two years, but it was, you know what, I'll do it. I'll do it because I've been in the shadows for so long. I could get a driver's license now. You couldn't before, you know? The, the hoops the, that I, the things that we do <laughs> to, to stay in this country, to survive and to, um, it's insane. Um, I don't even know how much of it I can talk about, but <laughs> you know, it's, um, so it gave oh. us, it gave, it gave us a lot. Yeah. Um, Is, was there anything where, cause you know, there's, there's a lot of letdown that you've had from the government mm-hmm. and you know, um, when that became available to apply in the summer for DACA, was mm-hmm. there anybody in the community who thought it was like a trap from the government that they would be deported if they applied? You know, I don't know specifically. I can't, I personally didn't think that, but I, that's a great thing you bring up because yes, there is definitely a lot of that within the community, any sort of government, anything. And now that you say it actually, I do feel like my parents had some ambivalence at first. Now that you say it, I'm like, I'm trying to remember it. Like you're bringing up some memories <laughs> of, of, I'm like, yeah, no, 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 not in a bad way. Um, uh, again, a lot of this stuff you like bury. So like little yeah. things pop up and you're like, oh yeah, I do remember that. Um, and I'm trying to remember and I, I, I want to like ask my dad now just to make sure I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I remember him being a little like, okay, let's like, let's just make sure, let's just make sure, you know, because again, she talks about like, it's, and it's not just the government having been a letdown before, but, uh, and you have to be very careful too. She talks about the notarios, right? Notary people who basically pose as lawyers, get thousands of dollars from a person and then they bounce and they never see them again and they don't get so even with this I I didn't know what the paperwork meant so I I I did know I I I wanted to get help from a lawyer not everyone did some people were very much smarter than me and figured it out on their own but I was I was just like I don't want to mess this up so I need to get a lawyer but my parents were very like okay but make sure it's not a notario like make sure that they really are a lawyer make sure that they really 
have a degree <laughs> and don't just work out of, you know, a little office in the back of some place and then they just, you know, leave and you never see them again. So because we've been um, screwed over so much by both the government and within our own community, yes, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised that there was many people that were, when this came out, were like, oh, you're just trying to get our address so you know where we live so that you can send ICE. I, I wouldn't doubt that, you know. Um, but it's interesting because, and she mentions this, the IRS um, has an ITIN number for us. Um, sorry, did I freeze up? Has an uh, ITIN number for us, uh, individual tax identification number, which is how we pay taxes. So, so they know the government has a really good idea. And that's another thing that most people don't know is that undocumented people, most undocumented people pay taxes. My parents have been paying taxes since they've gotten here. Never, ever, ever do they get anything. You don't get anything. Even if you are owed money because you're undocumented, you're not, you're not uh, legally allowed to receive any of that money back, you know? Um, so uh, there's, there's people that it's interesting, like, and I'm sure there's people that didn't want to do that at, or pay for taxes through the ITIN number again, because of that fear of, well, now ICE is going to know where I, or the government knows where I live. So can they just send ICE to me? So. Yeah. I just learned that, um, that today I was just like, huh sort of going through YouTube, trying to see if I could gather more information. And I stumbled <laughs> upon a video about like undocumented um, people do, the vast majority do pay taxes. And I mm -hmm. couldn't like, it just didn't give me enough information. Like I was like, but how? You're given a number, an item number, but then mm -hmm. like why pay taxes? If, because, you know? because again, you're hoping that oh, this will have be the, the year. Okay. Yeah, yeah to I have see. records. I, again, America, right? Like taxes are really important, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And uh, you want to make sure that if and when there's, okay, we have a program, we're gonna, we can like, you can show, okay, cool. Like the way I can show that I'm a good person and I'm an upstanding citizen and I'm a contributing citizen to this country community is that I can show I've paid taxes for 20 years so honestly that's that's why we do it you know it is it is terrible that like even money you're not giving any money back and it does it does take a hit especially because you are the most vulnerable people in this country and financially and in so many other ways and to just be like okay give it to me give it to me give it to me and you are already paid so little <laughs> you already paid the lowest wages you already make sure that you can't get uh, health insurance if anything happens to you. You can't get obviously disability. You can't get, you know, you can't get anything. And then on top of that, it's like, give us your money. Oh, you're owed a thousand. No, you're not getting it. Good, good day. Have a good day. You know, but again, it's, it's for that reason to show that it's like, look, I contribute to this society. I contribute to this community. So uh, any pathway of citizenship that's ever established. I can yeah. show that I have solid proof. So. With the pandemic, um, did you receive, as a DACA recipient, um, did you receive any help or any? So actually, I am not a, a DACA recipient anymore. I ah. So I'm, I'm a resident. Yeah. So that's what I was ah, saying, okay. former undocumented okay. youth. Gotcha. So my guess, though, I don't, I'm not 100. And that's one of the reasons going through the pandemic as a resident, I would not have gotten through it without government help. So to me, I was like, Oh my God, being undocumented, right? And my parents are still undocumented. I, I would not have been able, they completely didn't have jobs for months, like nothing. And they didn't, they not they had, didn't get anything, right? I, I was oh like, God, no. yeah, I was no. reading that they don't, you don't get anything if you're undocumented. Nothing, so. nothing, nothing, not even yeah. a smile. <laughs> so, you know, no, you get, you get nothing. And my dad said, had you guys, and my sister and I are older, and the only way they were able to get through this pandemic is because we are older and we are, you know, my sister was born here and I, I'm now a resident and could help them. Had we, my, my dad said, had this pandemic happened when you guys were both young girls, I don't think we would have survived it. And so my brain just went, oh, I get chills just thinking about it. Of all the people that are surviving this without any help. And not just that, 
but the mental health toll that it's taking on their mental health, you know, the toll that it's taking on their mental health, I think is so huge that this is going to be something that's going to be affecting them for the rest of their lives. And this is going to not even going to show its signs until we're out of this really. And it's going to keep, you know, and so that's reasons why I've, I've been so like, well, what can I do? And I, and there's definitely a lot of organizations that are helping um, undocumented people with the financial part of it, which is great. Not enough, obviously not enough, but what are organizations that uh, you're working with or that you recommend? Um, well, I know in terms of money, I'd like giving them money. I'm not, I don't want to speak to it because I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, um, I just follow, uh, I know LULAC is a good organization. Traices in Texas, uh, is great. And actually just did something with LULAC in specifically with mental health. We're going to have like, they're going to have a, I just did a mental health webinar, um, that they're going to release soon. Um, uh, Maldev also um, is another good organization, um, and um, I'm trying to think. There's oh forget the specific name. I, I can send it to you guys if you want to like. Yeah, we'll put like know, links in like, insert description. in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in, and then it's also about humanity. Maybe I think it's called to your webinar. That would be cool as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's oh. not out yet, but whenever it comes, and it's in Spanish, but I think it's going to have English subtitles. Um, and um, and again, a lot of it is word of mouth, right? Like I know that's how my parents survived. It's you word of mouth of figuring out like, oh, you can apply like in my, there's a grant and you always have to like, there's been a couple of grants that I know have come out through uh, the local government, like through like the county, like where my parents live, the county where they live came out with some grants that I was able to apply for them. Um, and again, though, but you need these older immigrants, like that the, the don't have kids. A lot of them, I can imagine, like I know, I'm just speaking from my parents' experience, my parents, so I applied to them for this grant, uh, applied to this grant for them and, and they thankfully got it. And that's been a great help, but but I had to do all the legwork in terms of going online, sending my email, setting this, like my parents could not have done this, not at all. And so again, these older, like, I like that she emphasizes on these older immigrants, especially the ones who don't have kids. And she, when she talks about it, like, I want to be the kid to all of these people, because you, you know how indebted you feel to your parents and how much you want to give to them. And I just can't imagine people who don't have that support system because again like it's so it's so I don't I don't again I'm like how are people surviving I don't I don't know I don't know I mean, and I my think parents what, were in a, yeah yeah I think Go what ahead. the book really shows is just really it's every single problem that American society is dealing with um mm-hmm. undocumented undocumented Americans like she's saying are the ones that are really feeling the brunt of it. Like, because she brings up, I mean, there's just stuff like worker rights, obviously. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's gonna be infecting people. But also um, just, she brings up Flint, Michigan and how, you know, yeah. and that's just something that, first of all, I think shouldn't be, have happened in a first world country already. Oh. So that's crazy. Right. But then on top of that, how is the undocumented, like you're saying, people who may maybe not fluent in English, don't have like kids to help them. They didn't even mm-hmm. know about this water situation. Yeah. You know, so it's kind they of found like, out from relatives telling them abroad. Right. Hey, exactly. did you hear wait what? <laughs> like exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was just deeply ironic. And I think, yeah, I think that's what's interesting too about the book and about everything is that it's so it's I think there's this idea of like um in America sort of like perpetuated by the media it's like us oh not us because I'm not American <laughs> <But> <laughs> Americans against you know the undocumented right it's yeah. like we were just saying there's like this fight for whatever but it's not it really isn't that way because it's just like every vulnerability in the system is reflected on every strata of society and it just hits the undocumented in a way you know that they're just like like you're saying the most vulnerable people of society and so every problem just gets you know they get hit with it in just a much more extreme Mm -hmm. way so and that's why I feel too regarding mental health 
is so important to talk about it because a lot of it, and I can speak from experience in my communities, it's, it's, we don't talk about trauma. We don't talk about PTSD. We don't talk about, we sort of think of it that it's part of, part of the experience of being undocumented, meaning like, yeah, you're supposed to have anxiety. Yeah. You're supposed to not be able to sleep. Yeah. You're supposed like, that's what, you know, like it's part of the, the game plan and it's, it hits us and, 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 and you, the longer you don't address it, the bigger it gets, the bigger the monster becomes. And the more you think that it's, you're supposed to be fighting this big monster. Yeah. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what it means to be an immigrant. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be like that. There, there, there are ways to combat it. There are ways to do there. There should be help for you, but there isn't. And so that's, it's, it's, it's not talked about for many different reasons, you know, cause you're, you're supposed to, it's almost like a badge of honor to go through this experience and survive it and, and to go through it and, and survive all aspects of it, not just the physical heart, physical labor, but the heart emotional um, repercussions from it. And to, and to not talk, it, it's almost like not talked about in a, in a way that it's, that, hey, it's mental health, you know? Like you, when people think of mental health, they're talking to a therapist, they're talking, they think it's, it's what rich people do. And right. if there's a stigma or it's something that, that that's what rich people do. They have the money and the time to just, and I get it, it is very expensive and there's not a lot of programs that, you I know, mean, but it shouldn't access. be. I mean, that, it that's shouldn't be. You should have universal health care that includes mental health care. I mean, that right. just, it makes no sense. And and also right. I think it, it just perpetuates this idea. It's, it's exactly what you're saying. Perpetuates this idea that if you're an undocumented person, you're somehow more virtuous, like, you know, more immune to like trauma. You're just more hardworking, just naturally everything. You're more mm-hmm. of like perfect in a way. And then on top of that, you should be more grateful, you know? So it's kind of this weird versus if you're human, all these experiences are going to affect you and they're going to affect your wellness. They're going to affect your mental health. Mm-hmm. Like trauma will affect you because you're human. So well, it's we just- don't even think call it trauma that's the other problem we don't think to even call it trauma but yeah sorry go ahead but I mean I think yeah exactly you don't call it trauma um there's not this sense of that we that that people just in general have the right to health care it's like it's like mental health care it's like it's only for rich people <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. only you know and it's, it's just part of the bigger problems I think in the U.S. this sort of yeah. attitude um but how so how do you what do you do when you're um, um, trying to do your outreach to these? Um, I'll be honest, and I just basically a like have sort of started this, and coronavirus has complicated a lot of things in terms of what outreach means. Um, so you know, right now, I, I my first thing was to reach out to nonprofits, kind of some of the ones I named earlier, and to say like like hi, like, this is my experience. This is my outlook. This is a problem. I have, I want to put in the work and time to, to, to start addressing it. So what can I do? And so, you know, it's definitely just reaching out to people that have a wider reach than me. Right. And my opinion was like, let me reach out to the people that already have an audience of Latinx undocumented people that can maybe make amplify my voice in this subject. And so like, said so black was one of the organizations that got back to me and so i i did this webinar and sort of my next step now um i want to um and i have friends who are i have a friend one friend specifically who's a community organizer and who knows other community organizers and my next goal is to um go out and talk to people um and i i want to implement a mental health program that's my goal and again it it's going to come and it's very much in the baby steps right now because it needs money. And I have, I have, um, I was able, I have a bilingual therapist that I know would be willing to help me with this, but now I need, so now I'm working on, on getting the funding and, and making sure that I'm have people who would want to take this. Cause that's the other part of the quote unquote issue, right? Um, like for me personally, it took me a long time to finally like, oh no, I need therapy. I kept thinking like, I can fight this off. I can fight this off. 
oh, I can't get out of bed today. Oh, anxiety is crippling me today, but it's, I can fight this off. I can fight this off. It's just put one step foot forward. And, and, you know, you, you're stronger than this. You're mentally strong. So you can do it. You can do it. And it took me going to a really low, low to then go like, oh, like I, I need to go to therapy <laughs> just to survive through my day. And this was after I was, I was already a resident and, and just mentally things got really bad that I had to, I had to do it. But um, so just, I'm, I'm still brainstorming on how to have a community outreach. And I feel like the more, the little like babies, so I have this webinar and then I'm, I'm planning on, I have a friend who's a documentary filmmaker, who's going to hopefully help me come up with a video, whether it's going to be a GoFundMe or, so I'm, I'm working on little things that I hope will add credibility to my voice, which is basically the main step right now to then so I can expand and reach out to more people who have, a, again, a wider, farther reach than I do. Community organizers, um, there's, you know, um, activists that I follow on uh, Instagram who I've reached out to, but I haven't heard anything from, and I get it, they probably get flooded with things. So I'm figuring out how to gain more uh, things, whether it's like, look, I have this webinar, and then I have this video, and then I have I've provided mental health services for these many people, even if it's a small number, but how can you help me like broaden this? So I just want to like show that I'm serious about this first and have some sort of things already that are tangible that I can come, you know, under my belt and say, this is what I have to offer. So how can you help me expand this? So what, and again, I'm figuring you... this out as I go along. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. I could be doing it wrong. I don't know. <laughs> you're doing I really, it. <laughs> I really doubt you're doing it wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. what, so what sort of, when you say mental health services, what are you specifically mm -hmm. talking about? And you know, uh, for me right now, uh, I'm talking about therapy. So that's where I want to start because therapy for me helped me a lot and and I was able to do it for a year and a lot of the things that I learned from that have even got me through the pandemic you know a lot of the tools that I learned in that helped me understand helped me get through it mentally through the pandemic and I just remember thinking it's like well not everyone has access to that not everyone has the ability to do that for themselves so yes therapy is one of the things but I know that therapy might not be the thing for everyone too, so right? does this so, mean that you have like um, a list of therapists that you can sort of help people to, okay, so like bilingual mm -hmm. therapists that you can, mm -hmm. okay. And the thing That's is awesome. right now too, because of the pandemic, obviously it'd be through Zoom. Um, so that's the other thing. It's like, no, not everyone has access to, it's, uh, there's definitely like, I have a list of internet. things that I have to figure out. Yeah. And so I got to figure out with a therapist too, like, well, would you be, be able to do phone calls and, you know, so um figuring out the logistics of it too and who would be it because again like I can't expect for me to come to a community and say hi guys I have you know would you like a month of free therapy because that's all I can afford right now and and uh but I'm, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if people were like no I'm good and could still you know and and and, and could be you know entrenched in in anxiety, depression, you know, all these problems and still be like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And I get that. So like the other part of it is like, how do I broaden the conversation again? Like I want to us to talk about it and to even, if we even want, even just sharing, like, these are the things that I do to ground me, whether it's, I write three things that I'm grateful for every day. I meditate, I do yoga, you know, like the little things that help me get through my day um, mentally. And even in just sharing the those kinds of be starting out with that but just having people even listen to that and and eventually yeah so for me right now it's therapy that's what I think but again I, I I'm learning as I go along and I know that's not going to be the solution for everyone so if we could even just start with the conversation and having it and talking to your kids about it and your parents because it was a very awkward conversation for my parents and I when I went to therapy very awkward a lot of uh weird feelings a lot of like, but we've done everything for you. What do you mean you need to see a therapist? A lot of guilt. And that's another thing that you, like, and then when I did go to therapy, my mom being like, how are you doing today? You know, like not because her thinking that like, she needed to be very like, oh no, 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 I can't, I can't, but, it, it, and, but, and so I wanted, I want to have conversations because if, if kids do go to therapy and the parents, I don't want, 
I want to have a conversation. What does it feel like? Do you, you feel betrayed by that? Do you feel the kids feel guilty? Like it's, it's such a huge overlooked conversation topic that's been overlooked for years and decades and we don't talk about it and just I'm just again speaking from my experience I'm sure there's people who do and who but from my experience it's it's it makes it harder to take care of your mental health when you feel like you're betraying your family for doing it so that's another thing that the author Carla also talks about um survivor's guilt um yes which I think is what I have right now being a resident um you know you get to a point in your life where I'm like Oh, I don't, I don't have to be scared about deportation anymore, but people that I love still are. And so what can I do? Like, I have to do something big and related to her and being like, I have to be astronomically, astronomically, you know, successful in order to properly give back the way I deserve or the way my parents deserve to be treat it you know to make up for all the mistreatment to make up for all the times that or you know someone was racist or gave them an injustice or all the dehumanizing things they've left through all this life like I have to be so successful to sort of patch that up in a way and then you can't help but but think about everyone else people that you haven't met and so I love the way she said like I am your daughter like I I because I I felt that so because that's how I know that's how I feel. I can't help and go anywhere and see an older person who's working, who I, I sometimes, even if they're not undocumented, I'm like, or they, you know, like, and I think of my dad and I think of my mom and I think of people that I grew up with and just to think like, I can't help but feel indebted to those, those people too that are struggling in any, any which way. And, and, and I may, yeah, I think it is survivor's guild and, and, but I want to, you just feel like indebted to all of it and you you feel like you're the one who made it and so it's like if i made it out it's for a reason and it would be completely wasted on me if i don't give back in whichever way that i can in astronomically ways you know so yeah i related to that hardcore <laughs> and again that kind of in a way takes a toll on your mental health because putting that kind of pressure on yourself feeling like you have to be the savior for your family that's a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure so it's it's mitigating those feelings of like I made it out I had to save everyone with like hold on hold on but like can you and like what is the step you can take that because you can't do it in one day because now the next day you're depressed because you didn't do it yesterday you know, so it's like, it's, it's still figuring out what that means and taking care of myself mentally so that I can actually do that for hopefully others, you know. The Ignoramus's Guide to Surviving Humanity is available as a podcast on Spotify and Amazon Music. You can also like and subscribe to our videos on YouTube. And if you want to help us grow, then you can become a patron on Patreon. And that's it, right? I think that's That's it. it. Yeah. (laughs)